This episode is brought to you by EarthBreeze, the one New Year's resolution I've ever been able to stick to. It's completely transformed my laundry experience. Gone are the big, heavy plastic jugs, the measuring out of detergent every time. All I do is grab an EarthBreeze wash sheet. All I do is grab an EarthBreeze eco sheet. It looks just like a dryer sheet, except it's slightly less dry. It's ultra concentrated detergent. I throw it in the wash and that's it. Never think about it again. Laundry comes out great, clean, fresh smelling, no harmful chemicals or bleaches or dyes or anything in there. If you want to change up your laundry game this year, right now my listeners can get started with EarthBreeze and save 40%. Go to earthbreeze.com slash drilled, that's E-A-R-T-H-B-R-E-E-Z-E dot com slash drilled for 40% off your subscription. Hey, Drilled listeners, we are about to go on a brief hiatus to get the next investigative season ready to put out to all of you. In the meantime, I wanted to let you know about the other show that I do with my co-host Mary Anais Hegler. It's called Hot Take, and we take a feminist race forward lens to the biggest story of our time, climate change. It's a holistic, irreverent, no bullshit look at the climate crisis and all the ways that we're talking and not talking about it. We're actually on a season break over there too, but we are putting out the occasional bonus episode. The one I'm going to play for you here is all about why it's always time to talk about climate and why this idea that you have to either talk about racial justice or climate change and you can't talk about both all at once is silly. We also have a newsletter going over there. It is a weekly newsletter that is a roundup of all of the climate coverage happening and also analysis, exclusive essays from Mary and exclusive reporting from myself. So if you want to keep tabs on what's happening in the climate justice and accountability realm over the next month, I highly recommend that you sign up there. We'll drop a link in the show notes. And you can also follow Hot Take at Real Hot Take and follow Drilled at We Are Drilled. Especially with the Black Lives Matter protests going on nationwide, I've had a few people ask how that movement overlaps with the climate movement. This episode answers all of those questions and more. We'll get into that right after a message from this week's sponsor. New Year's resolutions are almost destined to fail. I resolve almost every year to work less and we all know it's not gonna happen. (laughs) But one thing I have been able to stick to, and you can too, is switching up the way you do laundry in 2024 and grabbing Earth Breeze. I know you're thinking laundry is not so fun. Those huge, heavy plastic jugs measuring out the right amount, getting goo all over the place. It's annoying. Earthbreeze Eco Sheets totally changed the game. 
Unlike powder or liquid, EarthBreeze actually looks like a dryer sheet, but it's ultra concentrated laundry detergent. And it's super easy. You just throw it into your laundry and that's it. There's no measuring, there's no lugging anything around. Your laundry comes out clean, it smells great. I love it. It's genuinely made my life easier. It's also dermatologist tested, hypoallergenic, free of bleach and dyes, so it's perfect for every load. You'll never run out of detergent again thanks to EarthBreeze's easy, flexible subscription. You can adjust, pause, or cancel at any time with no hidden fees or penalties, and you save a whopping 40% when you subscribe. Plus, shipping is always free, and EcoSheets are packaged in a slim cardboard envelope that saves a ton of space. It also gets rid of one more plastic thing in your life. And the company has donated over 100 million loads of laundry and counting to those in need. Right now, my listeners can get started with Earth Breeze and save 40%. 440. Go to earthbreeze.com slash drilled. That's E-A-R-T-H-B-R-E-E-Z-E dot com slash drilled for 40% off your subscription. Hi, it's Amy here, and I'm excited to tell you about a new podcast from APM Studios and Western Sounds called Ripple. Such a good idea, this show. In the aftermath of major disasters, there is always a swarm of media attention. The public is captivated by breaking news, there's coverage and controversy, and then the cameras and the public just move on. But the stories are not finished. Ripple is a new series investigating the stories we were told were over. In season one, the reporting team traveled hundreds of miles across the Gulf Coast to learn the ongoing effects of the 2010 Deepwater Horizon oil spill, which are still impacting many coastal residents more than a decade later. You can listen now to Ripple wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Hot Takes, the podcast where we take a look at the climate crisis and the climate conversation. I'm Mariana Yves Hegler. And I'm Amy Westervelt. <laughs> Today, we're going to do one of our special in-between season episodes. These are the ones that we're calling Hot Take Unwind. Last time we did these, we were drinking wine, but this time we're not drinking wine because it's a heavier kind of week. So we're both going with like actual cocktails uh, and we're not playing around this time. I have a hurricane, and it is exactly what it sounds like. It's a hurricane, and I I didn't go easy on the rum. I didn't. Nice. Um, Nice. So I'm having a drink that I'm going to call, you don't want this smoke. That was pretty good. That was pretty good. For someone who doesn't like dad jokes, that was actually pretty good. Pretty good. Pretty good. Okay, and it is, it's basically a margarita, but it's a spicy cucumber pomegranate margarita so it looks wow sort fancy of, I know it's very fancy and then I made my own sort of salt rim with a like a chili lime uh smoked paprika salt huh. 
rim. So it's a it's a it's wildfire themed. It's kind of spicy and smoky. Yeah, it's delicious actually, but it's quite strong. I ba- I kept adding different liquors to get the color right. Yeah, and now I'm I'm well on my way to being drunk. I so. can't wait to see a picture of this. I really can't. Apologies or to see in where, advance. Or to <laughs> yeah. see where this is going to take this whole conversation. Um, yeah, so I think it's fitting that our two con- our two cocktails are hurricane and wildfire themed because we're yeah. both about to go through hurricane and wildfire season. And that season. we're yeah. getting into the season and I'm mm-hmm. from hurricane land and you're from Fireland. So that's right. It, it fits um, and the liquor fits with the heaviness of this day of this week. Or two yeah. weeks. I don't know anymore. It's, I'm, I, I can't so, I'm so time. confused. I, like today I thought it was the end of a week, but it's only, what, Wednesday? It's Wednesday. <sighs> yeah. By the time this comes out, it'll probably be Friday. And like, who knows mm-hmm. what sort what of, what if, happened. exactly, who knows? Yeah. Um, yeah. Seriously. I mean, in fact, just before this, I was reading or just scanning the op-ed written by Senator Tom Cotton encouraging... Trump to that? send in the troops. I didn't actually read it. I'm, I'm not going to lie. I read the headline in the first paragraph, and I was like, Bleh. um Yes. Yeah, I can't believe that got published. I, I really know, can't. I but for those these, like, white guys on Twitter, like smart, and I'm using air quotes that you can't see, smart white guys on Twitter, smart liberal woke white guys were like, Actually, it might be a good thing because, you know, it's so crazy and it's like good to know what they actually think. And that's how you beat them. Blah, blah. I was just like, no, I'm sorry. There is nothing good about a white supremacist senator calling for military action to crush a protest. In yeah, the, in seriously. The paper in the country. <laughs> and also, just for the record, folks, we are talking about Senator Tom Cotton. This is a oh, grown man who drinks glasses of milk. Oh, total milk. Drink. The man yeah. is a psychopath. Yes. Mm-hmm. You can't trust somebody who drinks milk on nope. purpose? Without coffee. Just fridge. straight milk. Straight mm-hmm. milk. Man's a psychopath. He's definitely a serial killer. Definitely. Yes. Um, yeah, but honestly, of all the things that have happened in the past week and a half, that's kind of one of the, the, the least bothersome to tell you the truth, because can I just tell you how awkward it feels to be a black person in the climate space right now? I bet. Yeah. (laughs) It feels so incredibly awkward. Um, Just watching like the way that people are trying to approach you and other black people right now is like very cringy. So I can only imagine actually being the person in that transition. Let me tell you, I have enough love and light to fire (laughs) a a six flags for like 18 weeks. Peace. Peace. I have so much love and light in my phone. Right. It's like a renewable power source. It's, it's, it's crazy. Um, so that's that's one thing. But also just it's been this awkward dance of now's uh, we're going again into this sort of cycle of now's not the time to talk about climate. And I yes. can't tell you how disorienting it is. 
How to, does, yeah, especially for you but to hear now is the time to listen to black people, but also not the time to talk about climate. It's such okay. a strange experience to me to have white people come to me and say, now's not the time to talk about climate because we need to be worried about black people. And I'm like, do you not see? Can you see my do face? Do you see my face right now? Yeah. Do you see that? Like, what do you think I am? I don't have to like mm-hmm. suddenly care about black lives because I live one. Right. I always care about black lives and the two things are not in are not extricable from one another. And nope. what I hear when I hear people saying that they can't talk about climate and talk about racial justice at the same time is that I, I feel like you don't understand either one. Right. First of all, and also just you're less invested in one than you are in the other. Yes. Totally. It's a it's like the other side of the don't bring your identity politics into the climate space coin. And it's totally bizarre to me that people who would totally reject that argument are making this argument now that like, you know, don't bring Mm -hmm. your climate stuff into racial justice. Like what? The whole point is that they're combined, guys. They're Um. the same thing. There's no like special kind of justice, actually. Like the way that the way that we sort of (laughs) separate these things out is like. Well, now's the time for racial justice. We'll get to climate justice later. What? Where do you think these black lives are going to live if not on this planet? Right. You know what I mean? Like, so right. my problem has also, been... guess what else is threatening these black lives? Climate change, air pollution, environmental racism. Like, it's all, you A know, pandemic? Yes. yes. All of this is the same shit. So, like, yes. that... And, and it sort of felt like... It, it, it kind of feels like you're always, like swimming upstream or like I don't know what the right metaphor is but it really it feels like climbing the wall to be quite honest because I always feel like I have made this point you know like I write one essay and it's like all right you kind of got it then you write another essay and then you do something else and like I can't figure out how to get the climate movement to like understand this that yes talking about one does not mean you stop talking about the other Nope. I don't I it's nope. it's so frustrating and I think also I personally feel like I find myself in this position where I am kind of looked to in the climate movement as the climate movement's mm-hmm. black friend. Yes. Um yes. And yes, yes. Totally. Ooh, yeah. Love mm-hmm. y'all but no. <laughs> that is not <laughs> that is not the service that I'm here to perform. Uh what <laughs> no. <laughs> Better find another one. Um, but like, I've seen a lot of people circulating my green voices of color list, which like, I actually hate the name of that list. I just couldn't think of anything better. Um, but, and it it sort of seems like people think I created that list so that white people could then find people of color to, to find. I created that list so people of color could find each other. Actually, that is why I created that list. I created that list because I felt lonely and I felt like a lot of you know, white folks were basically treating me like their black climate friend on Twitter. And, and that was I, happening to lots of other people of color in the movement too, right? That like, yeah, like I'm sure. Given that treatment too. Yeah. yeah. It's like, oh, something racist happened. Mary, what do we do? Right. <laughs> Be a fucking human? Try that. Yes. Yes. Um, so, yeah, it, it's been in an awkward position i'll talk more about it in in this week's newsletter but mm-hmm. and it's just it's tough because 
this is a painful moment. Like I'm actually, it might be a teachable moment for other people, but right now for me, it is a painful moment. Um, And I've had to take a step back from social media because it just became like this endless river of trauma porn and I couldn't take it anymore. Like I can't, it's, it's something different to watch people be hurt. Like I've never been that person who could do that. I've never been able to watch horror movies or, you know, documentaries where people get hurt. Like I actually feel like it's happening to me. Um, Like I, I physically feel the pain. So that's one thing. But then you layer in that the people getting hurt are getting hurt because they look like me. And should I leave my apartment, that could easily happen to me. Also, because I live in one of the cities where that's really, you know, it's really serious right now. So it feels really different. And I can't just like, I can't divorce myself from that. So I am trying my best to take a break from Twitter um, but yeah, it just feels like a lot of, of unnecessary pressure at a really painful moment. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and then on top of people texting you or people sharing their various takes, there's this, uh, you know, I know you and I have talked about this, that there's this kind of like, um, <clears throat> excuse me, woke Olympics happening right now on social media. <laughs> So I would like to. It's, I like to call watch. it the Wokies. The Wokies. Yes. Yes. Like I cannot watch any more white women lecturing each other to try to like prove how much more woke they are. It's just like guys. Just yeah. I, honestly, like I, I, I do feel like. Well, and, and this black square thing too. Like, you want to take a break from your self-absorption just shut the fuck up and get off social media for a day then you know what that is very free you can do that for free 99 totally free you might not get any credit for it but it will actually help um (laughs) or just like strange it is to have white people tell you as a black person that black lives matter that is genuinely disorienting yeah because it's like what did you think before did you think I didn't know that or did you not know that? Both of those things are disturbing. Right? And it's also well, like... And also it's like, I, it mm-hmm. pisses me off that it's like every time there's um, an example, like an extreme example of racism in this country, like police killing a black person in custody who is unarmed, which unfortunately yeah. there's been many examples of. But it's like every yeah. time there's this whole upswelling and all these hashtags and Twitter avatars and whatever. Yeah. And like... If any of that did anything, then we wouldn't still be having those, that shit happen. You know, right. like, right. I don't know. I understand that everyone wants to, everyone feels a little bit disempowered and wants to do something and, you know, wants to help and maybe doesn't feel like they can go out to a protest or like that, you know, might be worrying if that's even the right thing, which is something we're going to get into, like some of the ways that the, the protests have been co-opted and how to kind of parse that. But like... I just, I don't know. This ain't it, folks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, be careful about the amount of pressure that you're putting on your your Black friends right now because we're all, like, very clearly at a breaking point. We also don't want, I've ranted about this on Twitter, we don't want to process everything with our white friends. Like, we might mm-hmm. love you and respect you and value you, but I don't want to process everything with my white friends. I just don't, right? right? right. Like, 
there's yeah. um We're good I, I, I remember yeah. this actually when when beyonce's lemonade album came out like that was a yeah. very big moment for for black women and i had so many white women friends being like wanting to talk to me about it and i was like can i can you back the fuck off or like after speaking on a panel and I know a lot of other women of color have had this experience because I've, I've heard them talk about it. Um, you speak on a panel as a woman of color and all of these white women are waiting for you as soon as you get off the stage and they're like in tears about how much you move them and how much you talk them and blah, 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 mm-hmm. blah. And you're just like, now you got to console me. Now you got to put this bitch back together. And on the other side of her is all these other women of color that you actually want to connect with. But they're right. trying to give you a moment. And I'm like, could you please bum rush her? I think that's what people don't understand that like they like a lot of people think that they're reaching out to support you but what they're actually doing is asking for emotional labor from you and I just feel like people need to be way more careful about that shit yeah you know exactly even if it's like I just want to make sure you're okay or I just want this or whatever it's just like you know uh I don't know yeah just like be careful about asking for anything from the people that you're that you want to be helping I guess yeah, actually, what I what I said is, I get that you want your friend to know that you're there and that you care. I like I understand that, um, mm-hmm. but it really makes a big difference if you say something like, "I don't expect you to respond." Yes, that makes such a huge difference. Just like yes. to you, it's like, "Oh, one text. What's the big deal? I'm being a nice right. person." Multiply that by seventy. Yeah. And then you get an idea of what I'm talking about here. 70 emails that now you have to respond to and get into like deep in your feelings about like how you're doing really and like separately process this extremely painful thing with 70 different people who on who by their own admission could never understand. Whereas I could just go talk to like my cousins I've known my whole life and live the same experience as me or like my college friends who, you know, like I could talk to my black friends basically is what I'm saying here. Like I don't have to process this with someone to whom I'm also having to explain what racism every day feels like. Right. Right. I I was thinking about it in terms of, um, of like maybe maybe a helpful way for people to think about it would be like if your friend had a family member or close friend die like you would send them this like hope everything's okay don't feel obligated to respond right now right like i feel like people should take that approach right now right (laughs) and whatever you do don't take it personally yeah it's not about you so if your friend doesn't respond or if your friend like you know, says, I, I just, I literally can't deal with you right now. It's not yes. about you. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, I want to talk about a little bit uh, more about sort of uh, why it's so problematic that people are doing the, like, it's not time to talk about climate now and how much that shows about how much farther we have to go for people to understand that these things are always interconnected and that there mm-hmm. is just, you know, one type of justice and that's it. And it's like, yeah. <laughs> you know, worth yeah. talking about all the time. Um, yeah. Because mostly I'm seeing that sentiment from very well-meaning, progressive, non-black mm-hmm. people. There's this issue of like, it's not really your place to say what it is or isn't time to talk about right now. For one <laughs> thing. For one thing. And B, that like, 
you know, just like we said about the the coronavirus pandemic, that climate doesn't stop for a pandemic. It doesn't stop for, uh, you know, a police killing either unfortunately you know it doesn't mm-hmm. it doesn't stop for any of this stuff and and like right now there's a hurricane building off the off the gulf coast that could very negatively impact a whole lot of people of color but also climate change and heat waves and hurricanes actually makes police murders more likely because mm-hmm. it makes all violence That's more right. likely that's so right. yeah. like it is a threat multiplier that's what that's mm-hmm. what a threat po- multiplier means so police that's brutality right. yeah. is an existing threat climate change will multiply that by 10 um yes. and there that's yet another one of the reasons that we actually don't talk about about why black people are more likely to be susceptible to um to climate change because we're yes. already we're in chronic crisis so now you add yet another acute crisis Um, Not even on top of that, but underneath it, like on the ground on which we stand, the air which we breathe, the the water we drink, literally like have have us encased in yet another crisis um, that makes us like even more vulnerable. So actually what you shouldn't, it's not necessarily, this is just more proof of why climate marches and climate strikes need to include Black Lives Matter. And it also, you know, underscores why Black Lives Matter already has climate as part of its platform because they already understand that. So, like, if I see if I see someone at a climate march with a Black Lives Matter sign, I don't want to hear. Actually, this is the climate march and you're at the wrong march. Like, no, they're (laughs) at the right fucking march. You just don't understand what justice is. Yes, exactly. Yeah, like the idea, I've heard some people say like, oh, you know, we shouldn't be having climate marches right now. It's not the right time. Or, or like, mm-hmm. you know, we need to, put, need to put the climate strike on hold and whatever. It's like, no, this is, it's always the right time. And again, because like we're out things, of time. Because we're out of time. And these things are all different aspects of the same issue, which is a total lack of justice, you know? Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. Um, And I've also heard people being like, you know, how did we get here? And the answer (laughs) is, this is where we started. Yeah, exactly. We never moved. We've always been here. We've always been here. We never moved. So, and that's also where you get a crisis like climate. It didn't just come out of carbon molecules that just, you know happened to wind up in the air climate change is a was a preventable problem and is a solvable problem the people and the structures that have prevented us from solving it are totally part and parcel with colonialism white supremacy capitalism it's it's power imbalance it's like it's not a science problem it's a power problem exactly you know, I just I don't understand why that is still tough for people to get. Like it's not it trust me, it is really not about figuring out energy storage. That right. is not why. You know? Right. <laughs> I've seen a bunch of, of climate people being like, you know, okay, climate groups, you need to show up for Black Lives Matter. And it's like like I know that people are trying. I don't wanna be like shitting on people's good faith efforts, you know? Right. <laughs> because right. I do think people are really trying to be better. And I definitely know that, you know, the climate movement, even five or six years ago, wouldn't mm-hmm. have even thought that they needed to say anything about Black Lives Matter. So, you know, that's They great. would have been There's extremely, like, you know, rejecting it. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So I'm glad that there are calls for climate groups to get out and march with. But but it's almost phrased as this, like, let's do a favor. Right. To our like it's charity group. work. 
Yeah. And it's like, no, no, no. Oh, no. Like, (laughs) these are all, again, it's just, it's all the same issue. It should be all the same groups of people fighting for it. Right. It's like, I, they're like, yeah, we need to talk about Black Lives Matter. So that means we can't talk about climate for a while. We have to put climate on ice. No, you don't. Right. I have never, even when I was talking about climate, I always talked about how Black Lives Matter. I always talked about Black issues because these are all my issues. I don't see a conflict in talking about, you know, (laughs) don't shoot me versus don't, you know, kill me with a carbon magnifying glass, if that even makes sense. Exactly. Yeah. I I don't know. I find it's it's such a frustrating place to be. And it's like... No matter how many times I try to find the words, they never seem to penetrate that these are not separate things. Right. These kind of conversations and arguments have been had with people in the movement or even outside of it who, who you know, are kind of quite conservative and, are, and make the argument that, like, oh, you know, these justice issues are a distraction and it takes too long to solve social justice and all of that. And so it's it's actually, it's really frustrating and kind of surprising to see people who would never buy into that argument now mm-hmm. making this like, thinking that they're being really, really, you know, progressive and aware making this argument that, you know, you shouldn't talk about climate right now because it's the time to talk about racial justice. I'm like, no, you too. Um. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I thought we'd been over this. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I th- and I think it's because the climate movement has always sort of acted like they see themselves as being in this really professorial kind of position where they're like going to mm-hmm. come in and teach other people so like I think the way that they see it is if we connect climate or if we talk about climate now then yeah. we're going to be usurping the conversation yes we don't want to take up space blah blah but I feel like part of that is that is like seeing climate as a white issue too you know exactly they totally right? see it it's as like, a white I don't issue. want to take up space and it's like uh this isn't everyone issue it's a justice issue it's not like in fact it's only minimally a white issue. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, most people on the planet aren't white. Surprise, surprise. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah. I think they always kind of see them. The way that they connect issues is always like, oh, well, you're worried about, you know, police brutality. Actually, you need to be worried about the polar bears because that's a bigger problem, right? Like they always have to trump, for lack of a better term, somebody else's problem. Right. Like we saw this. We talked about this in the newsletter with the pandemic. You don't have to if you want to connect climate and COVID, you don't have to be like, well, climate's actually bigger than COVID. So you need to be worried about climate instead, because believe me, people can worry about more than one thing at a time. And you don't have to play this game of my disasters bigger than yours. It's not really not necessary. (laughs) Right. Right. Yes. Right? Like, you can just connect the dots because they're not unconnected. They're damn near bleeding together. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. No, it's frustrating.
Okay, so in our full-length episode, we are going to talk about this rising movement called the Boogaloo Boys. They're actually not rising. They've been around for a long time. Terrifying. They are terrifying, and I found a few articles about it, and I shared it with Amy, and I terrified her. And <laughs> we're going to talk about that, um, and we're also going to talk about the Boogaloo Boys reminded me a lot of the vigilante groups that terrorized New Orleans after Katrina, and so I'm going to terrify Amy even more by making her read through some of those articles. If you want to hear that full episode, which I think is actually really, really important, not just for this moment, but how Boogaloo could and will inf- interact with climate change um you should subscribe to our newsletter and you will get the full episode yes do it this Mm -hmm. is going to be good Mm mm-hmm